1: hello friends and welcome into the athletic fantasy football podcast i am chris welsh joined by the amazing jake seeley the wonderful brandon funston and you thank you guys for hanging out with us on the podcast today where we are talking about sleepers and bus. We're not talking about Paul Spore Seeley. We're talking about the actual fantasy football sleepers and the bus. Kind of an overused term. I think we're also in a space where maybe it might be dead, at least from the sleeper standpoint. I, I know a lot of people go out there and go, what is a sleeper anymore? Because everybody knows everything. There really are no players that really uh, sit down anymore. Maybe sleepers are better defined as the best values, the best values in drafts. So that's kind of also what we're doing. What do you think of when you hear the term sleeper Sealy without getting mad about it?
2: (laughs) That doesn't (laughs) exist anymore. Yeah, not to not get mad about it, just that we have to look at it, as you said, as undervalued players because sleepers were a thing when everybody was getting magazines and, you know, still doing a lot of handwriting for leagues and stuff like that. There wasn't 18,000 websites covering fantasy football, which is, that's what it is now. So everybody's talked about somebody. They're like somebody in your 300, 350 players. Somebody somewhere has talked about them somehow. So it's just, it's undervalued, which we can give the definition of ADP, which get that. There's not even a consensus for ADP really, but on average where these guys are going is it undervalued
1: there's definitely someone out there that's like i've got the top 15 sleepers a thread and then the thread i was just gonna say is it a thread (laughs) yeah it's a thread and it's like they've done like 40 of those tweets so they've properly covered every single player in football that they can quote tweet that i had it in this thread same in uh, kind of the inverse question brandon on bus i think we can easily more define what a bust is in fantasy football, but like, how do you actually, is it a complete devaluation of, of overall value? Like they're just completely garbage or is a bust maybe more along the lines of you investing in a third round player and then bringing you back seventh round value. Does that qualify? Like what is the qualification where a player meets the bust?
3: Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, I think it's borderline like a Najee Harris last year where he was a legitimate Someone you could talk about as a as a number one overall pick and um, just give you like milk toast value, but I, I in a way I don't think he's totally a bust because I think you know who ends up being a bust is kind of you predict the injuries or the guys that you know are are hobbled and that's not really a bust, but that's what we're trying to avoid the most. And obviously, and, and Najee Harris was not what we thought he was going to be, but he played pretty much every game and and gave you something. And, I, and for that, I think that's what we want from everybody. So um, I don't know. I think – I don't think you can quantify it. Uh, Like you said, I don't think it's a third rounder that returns you seventh rounder. You know it when you have it on your roster, and it's just someone who who just – incredibly you know fell short of what your expectations of him were you know you're talking about
1: you've essentially described love you're like we can't quite define it but right exactly you you just know it when you have it (laughs) it's gone i think think sleeper is way more like (laughs) love because like
3: you know it it is in the eye of the beholder what that term actually means so yeah um yeah so that's why i'm just kind of like you you threw these out there for us i was like oh we're just gonna kind of massage our way through this there's no there's no kind of like definitive right wrong answer
1: yeah no you're, you're right about that and that is what we're doing today it's sleepers and bus it's Jake and Brandon sleepers and bus we've got kind of two versions of sleepers your a little bit higher tiered player and then a deeper one and then the player that's a bus I will throw out to you that I think on both sides of these it is strictly about how I look at them it is about value so a sleeper player I tend to look at where they jump let's say one and a half to two spots higher positionally. So if you have a, you find a running back that is a running back five you've drafted and they can bring back running back three, I think that guy's kind of a sleeper. Uh, bigger sleepers, obviously, would be someone you draft as a running back three that returns back a running back one. And then on the, the inverse of that for the bus, I think it's a player that moves out of their, um, their position. So wide receiver one that goes to wide receiver two. But the caveat to that. Is I don't think bus really exists outside of like the top six rounds. I think it's very difficult to to quantify someone being a bus when you've taken them the seventh or eighth round, and you know it's QB eight and they return QB thirteen. I don't really think that. Fully qualified. So, throw away
2: our QB busts, is what you're telling us? (laughs) No, no, no. Well, I mean, we're
1: going to kind of burn through QBs in general because it's kind of an oversaturated thing. But that's just my personal opinion on how that works. QBs, actually, actually, it's funny that I did that. QB is a little bit different though, because it is a singular position. I guess that works. It works better with what I'm talking about in like running backs and wide receivers in depth and stuff like that. Running back is a little, or uh, quarterback is a little bit more in your face when you're talking about it. So let's just jump into it. Let's kind of burn through it. Jake, you're going to be leading us all with these. Let's talk about your sleeper quarterback, your deeper sleeper quarterback, and then your bust quarterback for this territory. So all three of them going straight through. Eh, why not? I mean, we can we can go. Okay. How, how would you like to do it? Would you like to go all three Mad, Mad Max style? Or would you like to just go <laughs> back and forth like uh, Pong?
2: I just feel I have a feeling people <laughs> might get tired of listening to me drone on for all three of them. Let's do both sleepers and then we'll do busts. Beautiful the position. There you go. All right. Ball go? is in your court. Balls in my court. Uh, so since I hint hint, Brandon took mine that I've been talking about the entire offseason and like multiple articles and he did that on purpose, I have a feeling because he's edited all those articles. So I'll save that for him. <laughs> uh, I will say I like Anthony Richardson at his value as the early one. So again, that's not a sleeper. People know who Anthony Richardson is as, as the time we're doing this show. Today being the day when we're recording this, Anthony Richardson's been announced to starter. what a shock. We're so surprised that all three of Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud and Bryce Young are going to be starting the season at quarterback top four picks. What a shock. But when it comes to Anthony Richardson, you know, uh, Funston hint to his uh, article that's coming out for the roundtable said if you knew Anthony Richardson was starting all 17 games, which I still think is a valid question because of the injury risk, where would you be willing to take him or rank him? The upside is. Justin Fields. The upside is, and why the Justin Fields is because the concern about the passing game. So the upside is top five quarterback. The risk is he looks like Justin Fields first season. Uh, Again, that was also an offense that wasn't meant for Justin Fields, but it goes south. And so uh, I'll give you an example. My flex league, I took Anthony Richardson, but I finished it off with bringing him back with Geno Smith, who I still think has top 10 upside. Uh, I think with the Richardson pick, you do need potentially a backup plan depending on how your league drafts quarterback. If One or two teams takes a backup quarterback, don't worry about it. But, you know, if half the league does, maybe snag one just in case. And what I think is another decent sleeper to go after if you wait till the end game for somebody, if you want to go upside, upside, I think it's Jordan Love. And no, it doesn't have to do with the fact that, like Justin Fields, he was amazing in his first preseason game. It's preseason. who really cares. But, you know, we've been waiting for Jordan Love. We've seen flashes of him. We can go back to college and say this is what we project Jordan Love to be. Uh, But there's a little bit of rushing upside with him. And that connection with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs has just been continuous, what we've been hearing. Uh, We didn't see Christian Watson, but we saw some Dobbs in that game. So, like, does this continue? I think it does. I think those are going to be his top two. Uh, You have some decent options, including a rookie, Jaden Reed, for the number three option. You can get the passing game at the backfield with Aaron Jones. And A.J. Dillon's a pretty decent pass catcher. So I think if you look at Jordan Love getting 3,500 and 20 to 25 touchdowns and sprinkling in a little rushing in there. Then you get top 20 quarterback.
1: I'm very, very much about, and I think I said this last week, or the week before very much about, you miss that. When we're talking about tiers, you miss that tier of the upper quarterbacks about taking Anthony Richardson and pairing him with love, the Geno pairing or, or Aaron Rodgers specifically for me. But do we really think that the idea that he wasn't going to start was the thing that was holding back his value? Cause I don't think I've ever like built in this is maybe I, me. No, I never built is. in one there's, there's, moment that he wasn't going to, I don't think it's, it
3: wasn't going to start, but like there is starting the, the season. There is a chance that he starts and he looks so bad. He pulls like a Malik Willis looking kind of thing, you know, where sure. Cause he is raw and that he does have to go ahead and, and take a seat for a few weeks and kind of just observe and, and, and you know, sit back. And so I just feel like, between the injury risk of his rushing, you know, of his rushing, and the fact that he's so raw and that he could just look so bad and have some games where they just decide to, to pull the plug for a few weeks, I think the the games played question was legit.
1: Okay, that no, I I buy that. I guess I was turning it the other side. Like, were we projecting that he wasn't going to be the starter in that start the season? I, yeah, no, that I we were there holding. A, back. There's a
2: world. There's a world where it could. He was the you know, he's the most projectable upside, but the biggest risk out of those top four picks the top three quarterbacks and the Justin Fields comparisons, you know, is he going to be ready? And as Fonston said, if you look like Malik yeah. Willis, even in the preseason, they might've just been like, we're not going to do this.
3: And how many, how many teams you have, have a be- better
2: backup quarterback than, than the Colts? Gardner mission, Gardner mission is probably top five. And I, so where Fonston, I, I would agree with is potential benching. I don't think potential benching would happen after like two and six, but if there's some way hovering around 500, like they're three and three and it's in spite of his play, like he looks like Malik Willis did last year, and they're somehow three and three, I could see them making the switch and be like, you know, we still have playoff aspirations. Let's bench him, get him ready for 2024, and ride Gardner Minshew. So that's, that's there, which is why I don't have him beside my top ten. He's 11,
1: but, I mean, that's why I would still take even Tua over him. It's just there's still that risk. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, uh, Brandon, your sleeper and deep sleeper quarterback.
3: Uh, Sam Howell, Jake, Jake wanted Sam Howell as well. Uh, <laughs> he was my number one quarterback coming into the draft last year and he fell to the fifth round and he was five, four or five quarterbacks taken ahead of him. I, I didn't get it. Uh, but he only had one, only had one game to watch him, but I was just like, they're turning the reins over to him and he has rushing upside. It's dual threats about the fact that, you know, he ran for over 800 yards and had, I believe 11 rushing touchdowns at North Carolina's final season there that he has weapons, good weapons and Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson and, and, you know, Antonio Gibson out of the backfield and that Kurt Samuel. I mean, I just, I, I like his setup. Um Like, you know, Jacoby Brissett's there, but man, that's, that's just, if you're kind of waving the, the white flag, <laughs> it's like, I just think they're going to go ahead and let him ride for a while. I think he's got a decently long leash. So I'm not really too worried about that. I just think, There'll be some games where it doesn't always look pretty, but, you know, it's like the it's going to have some the knife rushing upside to kind of build up that that fancy value. Uh, deeper sleeper, you know, the guy I just came up with is Ryan Tannehill. Like no one's talking about Ryan Tannehill. Like there's a there's a world with DeAndre Hopkins and Traylon Burks and and you got Derek Henry still in the backfield. Mike Vrabel is going to have this team competitive. They're not turning the, the team over to Will Levis or Malik Willis. I think this is going to be a competitive team. And if that's the case, we're talking about Tannehill before last year. The year before last, he was QB13. He always kind of finishes well when he plays a full season and, and they're in Tennessee's doing the Tennessee thing where they're leaning heavily on Derrick Henry and letting Ryan Tannehill go play action off of that. And they've got a great guy in DeAndre Hopkins now. And Trey Lamberto. So, like, no one wants to target Ryan Tannehill as their QB3 and Superflex, but I I think he's a pretty safe option with the setup he has this year.
1: The the counter face, Jake, the, how that's, the face <laughs> Jake has, uh, it looks like I know. it's that's about a, to say everybody my boss is face Ryan Tannehill. When, it's like, no one likes
3: Ryan Tannehill.
2: Because, so the counterpoint being is that came with seven rushing touchdowns two years in a row, and so are we banking on Tannehill bringing that back, which if you want to argue for, I'm not like you can argue. Well, for I'm that. Just, let's I, argue I,
3: for I, four. Let's argue for four. And where does that put? That's it? It doesn't a put big difference for, team,
2: for him, for somebody who in a playoff game attempted 11 drafted, passes.
3: Who's drafted? He doesn't attempt to have enough passes. 20. He's like going like 28, 29. Like I
2: know. Cause I don't want him Cause he doesn't throw the ball. That is so he here's, easily, here's my counterpoint. You could easily. Can I make my head
3: counterpoint? I had Sam Howell.
2: No, that, and that's where I would,
1: completely differ. It because I love it. counterpoint. No, I was
2: like, Look, yeah, one thing in your boasting of Sam Howell, which I could not agree with more if everybody wants to, the articles on the site, the breakout quarterbacks. You're also including the Eric Bieniemy being the guy to groom him going forward. Uh, the comp that I made for I'm with you on Funston. I didn't have him as my top rated quarterback for fantasy because for fantasy purposes, if Malik Willis could be Malik Willis, that'd be the best fantasy option. Uh, obviously, that's a huge bust as of right now. And maybe his career is not over. Maybe he goes somewhere else. But anyway, point being that includes this team. Because Sam Hell, I made the joke, the Piz, uh, Steelers should just draft Sam Hell. It's Ben Roethlisberger all over again. And that's why I like him. The problem is why I don't like Tannehill is because they can win with him throwing 15 times a game. And if he's not, and if you go back to those two years, it's the touchdown efficiency. Can he do it? Sure. Can he rush for some more touchdowns? Sure. Can he still even get four? It can happen. But I just think there's also a world where you said they're going to be competitive. What if they're not? Like we just talked about Anthony Richardson. What if they're two and six? and then they do like, you know what? We're done with Tannehill. They didn't draft Will Levis to step in this year specifically, but you don't draft a 25-year-old quarterback to not potentially see if he's your future immediately if there's any opening for that. That's all I'm saying. It's like, if you told me Tannehill was starting 17 games, you could get me on board, but I just don't know if that's a guarantee.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Bus, Let's talk about bust quarterbacks then. You want good to go first on bus Alternate? Uh... Yeah, sure. But uh, there you go. It, I'm running your show. <laughs> <laughs> Busted, no, wait, whatever. Yeah, you, listen. i uh married, so I have a backseat driver uh, all the time to tell me how I'm driving. So uh, let's uh, let's turn the wheel and uh, Funson. Who are you busting? I don't like your pick by the way. I, I, I agree. I know you don't. Yeah. When Counter no. Shot over the bow. <laughs> Counter, on no. uh, The San
3: Francisco 49ers and Brock Purdy. I just look the NFFC ADP for August. It's QB21, which is a huge. Yo. It's a, it's a, it's a, big value for a guy who's had five games under his belt, who is coming off. As we looked up right before this, did he have surgery? Did he really have Tommy John yes. surgery? Yes, he did. Is it really only seven months? You know, September, Not even. it's going to be like six months. Like that's twice as long of a recovery time for a major league pitcher, uh, by the way. And so we're going to just assume that QB 21, that he's back and, picking up where he left off. They have Sam Darnold. They have Trey Lance. And by the way, I just think with Kyle Shanahan, with plugging a guy like this into the quarterback position in the middle of the season, it's really hard for defenses to kind of on the fly, get a book on this guy, but he was drafted late in the draft for a very good reason. He does not have a big arm and defenses. Once they kind of really kind of, clue in on this i mean you don't have to play deep safeties you pull the safeties up to the line of scrimmage and you start making it you start squeezing him and if he's lost any arm strength because of this injury that's even more of a problem i think qb 21 is too much of a too much of a of a value on brock purdy when if it's not going great they can easily pull the plug and try Lance or, or sam Darnold.
1: the only thing i could counters to that i mean the the surgery stuff is i was really but... you
3: were going to say counterpoint no
1: yeah, well, <laughs> i already said that. My counterpoint was no, but that's our new shirt. But uh, Trey Lance is no longer a threat. He looks like garbage, and yeah. that's not a threat. Darnold sure is, but I would say the, 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 I don't know if there's a team that has better short yardage options than the San Francisco 49ers with the number one yards after the catch wide receiver in Debo, one of the best route runners in the NFL, and Brandon Ayuk, one of the best uh, with the ball make play tight ends and the best running back in the NFL so to, yes, all your points make a ton of sense. But if he is healthy enough to get out there, you don't need to. You don't need to stretch the field with those. Play- I mean, obviously. At well, some point I mean, you're going I, I guess to. Tim Tim well, Tebow. So- I mean, what, what
3: what can you do with zero deep threat? Like that's a Tim Tebow situation. But Brock Purdy can't run like Tim
1: Tebow. Well, Tim Tebow can't. I mean, couldn't couldn't hit a player five feet in front of him. Like Brock Purdy is an accurate quarterback. Like well, he well, will so be able for this if if we're in this range. <laughs> if we're in this range. Which
2: quarterback could finish top 12, Ryan Tannehill or Brock Purdy? I would actually, in this case, take Tannehill and agree with Funston because there's not a world where Purdy fi- Purdy finishes a QB one. There's a world where Tannehill
1: does. That that's where that will agree yeah. with Funston. Boy. Counterpoint, no. Counterpoint <laughs> take no. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. No, let's get to your bust. Let's get but the but your quarterback bust is that take, uh, Jake. But what else do you got? So have?
2: <laughs> this is funny because what is Brock Purdy's ceiling? It's the new Dak Prescott, which why are we still taking Dak Prescott as a clear QB one? His ADP is still easily a QB one for somebody who doesn't run anymore because, oh, by the way, the team just wants to run a billion times. Oh, by the way, Kellen Moore is gone, which now lets make McCarthy run even more. So unless if you look back at Dak's best years, it was the one where he did throw a ton and actually threw 30 touchdowns. And then the other seasons when he was rushing for five touchdowns, he just doesn't do that anymore. And we're talking about 150, 200 yards and a touchdown. So you need Dak Prescott to now go back to being 4,000 yards, 30 touchdowns to finish in top 10 as a QB one. And he's not that like, he looked miserable last year. If you want to make all the excuses in the world, he wasn't right. The team had no weapons outside of CD lamb. Schultz got hurt, like blah, blah, blah. Sure. There's validity there, but is Brandon cooks? Does he solve every issue? Schultz is now gone. You're going to be relying on Jake Ferguson in the second year. Michael Gallup hasn't been a thing. Uh, Tony Pollard will be fine on the back year, backfield, but he was last year as well. I just don't see – this is another one. I don't see how Dak Prescott deserves to be in front of some of the names behind him on ceiling alone, and that's what it really comes down
3: to. Yeah, I just yeah. want to jump in really quick because I do the QB roundtable, and Jake, you and I had so many of the same answers. And when I, So it was like, who, if you don't <laughs> take one of the top quarterbacks, who are you going – if you're like going to be taking one of the last quarterbacks, like this is the perfect uh, kind of analogy is like you don't take Dak Prescott – at the end of the in a one QB league of a 12 team league, you don't take him as like the last quarterback as a starter. You take Anthony Richardson, and you pair him with like a Geno Smith or someone like that. But you don't take Dak Prescott and Geno Smith because you're not getting any kind of upside. And that's like, why would you why would you buy in on Dak Prescott there? You're better off to go with it a Daniel Jones and Anthony Richardson, even an Aaron Rodgers because we know he has potential MVP 40 touchdown upside. But Dak Prescott seems like so mid. And it's like there's just no reason that you wait that long in a mid, a mid kind of quarterbacks of <laughs> that spot. Just, you know? sorry,
1: Jake and I instantly <laughs> just smiled hearing that. We we're like, uh, I couldn't agree with you more on that way. But by the way, for everybody off air, we're like, oh, let's be really quick about quarterbacks, and we just had like great discussions about quarterbacks because we couldn't help it. Uh, let's go to running backs and let's jump over to it. Sleepers on the RBs, Jake. We're going to start with you. Your mid, but why I say mid is good. Your solid sleeper and your. A uh, deeper sleeper at running back.
2: So it's interesting because I would have never thought the deeper one was going to be a deeper sleeper after last year. But for the mid to upper in the right around the 20 range at running back, uh, Rashad White, and I get the concerns. You know, I've been out there and I've even said uh, the late, great Mike Taglier pointed out that a bottom 10 offense barely produces top 10 running backs. And I even in the column pointed out over the last five years, there's been 10. It's been an average of two per year. There was zero in 2018. There was four in two thousand twenty. But a bottom ten offense is about two per year. You can potentially get one. If you do bottom five, it gets even worse. So the bottom five is the real concern here. Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask, this offense, the offensive line is still a concern. That's how it can go sideways. But the upside is we're talking James Conner. We're talking potentially like Najee Harris on a worse team. It's the volume. Uh, Chase Edmonds, maybe Sean Tucker, we can hope he's healthy enough. They got him as an undrafted free agent, but it should be Rashad White getting about 20 touches a game. And the good thing about the 20 touches is three, four, five of them should be coming in the passing game. And that's why I think Rashad White, if you're looking outside the top 12 for potential bell cows, just in worse situations, Rashad White's one of the few. And, and I love that one, one, by
1: the way, just to throw in that for was sure the guy I, I wrote up in the uh, in the guide in the athletic fantasy football guide. I absolutely love that one. So great breakdown there. All right. So deeper. Yeah.
2: And for all intents and purposes, real quick, if it is Baker Mayfield, he throws to running backs just about as much as Tom Brady did. So it's going to be a very great point. When it yeah, comes yeah. To, yeah. So when it comes to the deeper one, I, I, I feel like I'm screaming into the world saying, why is everybody off their damn rocker here? But uh, Cleo Herbert, like, look, Cleo Herbert. We've seen him step in for David Montgomery. Without anybody checking while we're doing this podcast, when having 10, just 10 rushes or more, he's never failed to run for at least 50 yards. So he's run 10 for 50, 10 for 57, and then you get to 16 for 99, 18 for 100, 19 for 97, 20 for 157. It's just, he's been terrific. And he's playing with Justin Fields, which was the argument that we always made for Mark Ingram back in the day with Lamar Jackson. And now J.K. Dobbins, we're like, we don't care about the passing game because 200 carries probably means you're talking about a top 15 running back because of how you're used in this offense. But we're not even talking about top 15. i talking top 20, top 25, top 30. He's going as an RB4 because everybody's scared of the shiny new toy in Rashawn Johnson because he can pass block. Guess what? Khalil Herbert, last year, better pass blocker than Christian McCaffrey, better than Dalvin Cook, better than Aaron Jones. So is he the greatest? Absolutely not. Is he the worst? Absolutely not. I just named three running backs that are RB1s being terrible pass blockers or mid range mid. They are mid pass blockers. Khalil Herbert, also in the first preseason game, did all his work with the ones. And I don't think Rashawn Johnson is fourth on the depth chart, but he was out there as the fourth option, which he'll move up. They didn't draft him to have the fourth, but I don't think he's the threat that everybody makes him to be Out At least put it this way. Even if you kept Khalil Herbert with the risk of a 50 50 split where he's going right now is still worth more than a
1: 50 50 split. I could not agree more. They actually did a an episode of uh, In This League Football Podcast with Bogman, and uh, it's an Our Guys episode. Khalil Herbert's one of my favorites. Pull this stat for you, that no running back with less than 200 attempts had 20 or more 10-plus uh, rushes last season, except for Khalil Herbert. He's the only one that had under 200 rush attempts that had Twenty or more 10 plus rushes also if you look at pff grading elusive rating uh was in line with josh jacobs if you want to kind of you know play that game at all if you want to look at like how effective it was also you know yards per attempt are up there um and in all those games with 10 plus rushes 5.1 yards per carry it, yeah he, he, he's he's just a bonkers play it's funny I'm very much I'm very high into the those high-end yard per uh attempt guys this year you, you get the Tony Pollard, and it's the same crew it's Khalil Herbert it's Aaron Jones it's Tony Pollard it's a Aaron Jones is a little bit different than that crew but I it's James agree cook with Herbert one
3: it's James, James Cook, cook. <laughs>
1: okay. 5.7 7 yards for, into yours
3: <laughs> 5.7 yards per carry uh yeah and it was 89 carries I think we're gonna see that go up um Everybody is in on James Cook. As soon as Naheem Hines went down, uh, as soon as they got Devin Singletary went to Houston, they brought in Damian Harris, who I like, but it just feels like this has opened up the opportunity because Devin Singletary was in on passing downs a lot. I don't think we're going to see the same usage from Damian Harris in that regard. That should be James Cook. And now Naheem is out of there. I think they're going to lean into him you know, on passing downs, which is really almost every down in Buffalo. I mean, that's, you know, that's just kind of <laughs> the way it is. So I, I think we could see him double his, his uh, touches this year. Um, I like Rashad white right now. He's going right behind Rashad white in NFC, NFFC drafts in August, which I think I would take Rashad white over James cook. Cause I just think the volume is going to be there for Rashad white, but in terms of like explosive plays and the ability to maybe do kind of like, you know, the, the, the DeAndre Swift when he was healthy in his prime in Detroit, kind of like, you know, getting a lot with maybe 15 touches instead of twenty. I think he's gonna be that guy. So he's uh, my sleeper, my deeper sleeper. It's another kind of chalky one to Samaje P But I'm it's like I like Samaje Pirine. I think he's a, a a solid NFL running back. I don't think he's great, but I think he's good. And I think he's good at most everything. Kind of like you can put him in there passing downs, rushing downs. But I just I'm just fading the big injury guys uh, and I'll talk about it more later, but Javante Williams and Brees Hall are the big injury guys. And the year before that it was JK Dobbins. And, and you know, there's been a lot of, a lot of history of these guys trying to come back and, and a lot of history of a lot of bluster in the, in the summertime about how good they're looking and how they're going to be okay. And then it comes a season and like playing in real games, is a little bit different than running around in you know, light pads and and shorts and stuff in the summertime. And I just think we're going to see that again. So I'm going to lean into Samaje Pirai more than I'm going to lean into Javante Williams.
1: Well, let's move into, well, let's just stick, stick with you for the bus because your bus, you have Javonte uh, Javante Williams for the exact reason, but you also have Brees Hall. One thing we didn't do, we didn't talk about news and notes at the top mm-hmm. of this, but obviously the two biggest things, and I wasn't sure if they were going to come up uh, naturally in this, were the two big running back signings. Uh, Dalvin Cook signs with the Jets, which affects Brees Hall or doesn't, depending who you follow on Twitter. Same thing can be said mm-hmm. about Z- Ezekiel Elliott, who signed with New England, affects or doesn't affect, pending the 10 you know fantasy football analysts that get pushed up in your timeline. Everyone's got different opinions. I was a not a fader of Brees Hall because I love the talent, but I was very worried about the injuries coming into this year and how high he was being ranked in general. It seemed way like that old school. Yeah, that thing where it's like like the Clyde Edwards-O'Leary, it's not the same, but it's like how much more upside is there on where we're paying for this player right now with those injury words? So I was very worried. Dalvin Cook signs and clearly has to be some version of a down. Yet yeah, there are so many people that are like, nah, I love this for Brees Hall. Why? I think this just reiterates (laughs) what the touches are going to look like this year. And Dalvin Cook is going to get some of those. So, Brandon, as far as the bus goes, was this already, were you with me? Was this a pre-Dalvin Cook signing where you were worried about it because you did label this as an injury? Or is this also kind of about Brees's still current cost with Dalvin Cook signing?
3: Yeah, I was kind of holding out that there was a potential that Dalvin Cook would end up back in Minnesota. But if he didn't, it seemed like the Jets was going to be where he ended up. But uh, the fact that the Jets were interested kind of just leads more to my thought about, like, these guys coming back from injury and everybody just kind of jumping the gun on them being ready to go. Like, now that Dalvin Cook is in New York, is there any incentive at all for the Jets to play Brees Hall in September? Like, I wouldn't. I would just be like – I would give him as much time as he absolutely needs, then I would slow play him into the mix – you know, in October and then maybe the second half of the year, you're really leaning on him heavily, but Dalvin cook still has some juice and like, I could see those guys working in concert very well together. One guy coming back from injury, one guy just getting older and maybe doing better on 12 carries as opposed to 18 to 20. Um, So like I could see this not going away all year long as, as a straight platoon uh, with Dalvin cook really kind of leaning heavily in the early part of the season. So yeah, that's a that's a big concern for me. If the, if they didn't make the signing, I just kind of um, blanket on the on the rookie's name, Israel Agum. What is it, Jake <laughs> Abaconda. <laughs> Abaconda, and then uh, Michael Carter. I would have assumed that those guys would have been leaned on uh, instead of Dalvin Cook, but I expected that to be the case. And I expect you know with Javante Williams, Samajee Piron. I already talked about that. So um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at.
1: Now it's abaconda don't want none, hun. All right, sorry.
0: How that was in my. Head. You can honda. do some extra
2: syllable in there. Abin and yeah, Konda yeah. I was wh- trying to
1: work it. It didn't quite work out. I'm probably not the one to be able to sing it either. My uh, Abig wanna... and Konda don't want, want none. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Fun, fun. Yeah, you could just me. say
1: Abig Abin and Conda don't want none. That's what I was yeah. going with. That's where I was trying to go with that one. So sorry everybody for that. Uh, Jake, I do want to get the bus, but I, you were, you know we yeah, can see I'll the video one. and stuff. You were kind of agreeing with this stuff here. We Do you buy the whole, like, oh, this is great for Brees Hall thing? I don't understand that take. I don't get that. Counterpoint, no.
0: (laughs) Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army knives at Dick Sporting Goods. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of
3: your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence.
1: StubHub, an official partner of the Athletic.
2: I had Breeze Hall in a ever-shifting tier that was basically with like ETN and Harris. That was before Damon Cook came in that like, okay, if they don't sign anybody This is where he is with the risk baked in, the risk that I kept saying this entire offseason. It's funny, I like to bring my home league into this, but we have a home league auction, and I traded for Brees Hall last year as I blew up my team because I missed the playoffs for the first time ever, but he's only 32, and somebody was like, you're keeping him. I'm like, no, I'm not. Not even at 37 because he goes up $5. I'm like, I'm not keeping him at 37, even though it's a value for running back because I don't believe he's going to be 100% to start the season. I, I kept comparing it to Saquon Barkley from a couple of years ago that we didn't say Saquon Barkley be himself until, of course, the game when it got hurt against the Cowboys. But it took that entire first month of September. And that was my concern. Like, I have no problem playing the long game if you just tell me September, because that's easy to make up for. But that was always a question if that was even going to happen. And now this signing, the biggest part about it, and I double-checked to make sure, the base salary is 7. It's 8.6 with incentives. That's not a giant amount of se- Like, if you told me this was a $2 million base with a seven, so five million in incentives, I'd say, eh, okay, maybe it's still Brees Hall's job, it just takes a little while, and Dalvin Cook is like a 60-40, he's on the 40 side. This amount of money makes me feel like we would be looking at the Packers, and if we're looking at the Packers, that Cook could be the 55. Like, this is 55-45, Dalvin Cook. Uh, Where the upside for Brees Hall is, is if he gets healthy and pushes back, because he was so good, he was top three in so many metrics last year, and that he has the passing game, similar to Aaron Jones, So there's the upside. But as of right now, because I don't know how you play this, they both have top 15 upside. They both have RB4 floors. Hell, Brees Hall has potentially irrelevant floor. So I have them both I have Brees Hall still slightly ahead of Dalvin Cook just because I think he has the higher ceiling. But I have them both as top and RB3s, not even the RB2 conversation because there's names in front of them like Rashad White and Khalil Herbert that I would just take because I know them. Like I know what we're going to get from them. We don't even know if we get Brees
1: Hall week one, as you said. Yeah, I felt like I was taking crazy pills, and um, (laughs) even into the reminder The other weird part is that Dalvin Cook's not even showing up till next week, too. Like, so it's kind of like Dalvin Cook doesn't even get to like really play with the team much before the season starts. You know who does? Weird. Kanda does want some oh, because no. he's I got runs son all right that's what a he's got so. yeah i was kind of working that there you uh, were But also in, like you were working
3: through that yeah well
1: yeah yeah are like everyone's hearing it live <laughs> working through it but like even a little bit with like, Ramondre stuff with like elliot everyone's like oh wash by the way it's like that's, eh. that's like trying to say like okay well, boom, um. it's like you got to think
3: about it too much to be able to yeah. let it flow off <laughs> yeah exactly wait, 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 uh, so wait, here's so- yeah, quick take on Ramondre Stevenson, Ezekiel I don't. I, oh. I think nothing of he it. Moved I have spots changed. down. Two spots. I, I no. had him at RB eight. He's now at RB ten.
2: Because See, I did the oh, same okay. thing.
1: I did. I moved him just a tiny bit. But I, it what wasn't. What I gave a non- him, What I what practice. I
2: dinged him for was the only like the 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 saving grace I had for Stevenson being top ten after last year is he was remarkably inefficient and in the short year actually kind of similar to the Kevin Walker like we didn't punch a lot in at the goal line. But I was like, hey, it's Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris. Like, I'm not really that concerned. They'll just give him the opportunities. But it's Zeke. And what is Zeke the master class of is punching in at the goal line. So I pulled them back from goal line rushes and goal line opportunities, which knocked down his entire rushing total. And then the rushing touchdowns dropped two and a half, which only knocked him two spots because that that tier he was in had a pretty significant gap over a lot of question marks in that next tier. So he moved down two spots, kind of insignificant, if you think still, about still it. Still top <laughs> 10
3: running back, though. Which
2: yeah, but I, see, I,
1: I agree with that. But concur. it felt like everyone was like, Elliot's a non-factor. So to even move him, out, you can move a guy and he can still be great. I still think Ramondre yes. is explosive and is clearly the best guy. But you can be like, hey, Elliot will affect him a little bit and he's still really good. I was a high guy in yes. Ramondre. I think I met at yes. nine. I think I moved him to 11. I moved him to 11 in that. Uh, in Why do you hate season. him and I love him? <laughs> yeah, I know. Apparently I hate him. So, uh but I don't know. I just, the non-factoriness was crazy. Here's a question, though. Jake, your bust on this list is a very interesting name. What do you think about your bust versus both Jets running backs?
2: I think that he's in the same conversation, and that's Ken Walker. Kenneth Walker has been on my bust for this entire offseason. I just, look, breakaway plays is is part of his game. Uh, Better in the passing game than we thought potentially coming out of college, but he also saw some inefficiencies that we expected as well, like just running turning the wrong way. That's just Ken Walker. He's never going to be exceptional in the passing. And can he be okay? Yeah, he can be okay. And some of those breakaway plays is his game. But also what's part of his game is the concern we had from college, which showed itself as Funston knows is he should have been more efficient in the short yardage. You are too big and strong. Uh, you should be making. If everybody watched the Raiders preseason game and didn't pay attention only to the box score, but actually saw the Zamir white touchdown that he should have had that he didn't get where there was really good blocking in front of him and he should have got through That's the comparison for Ken Walker in his rookie season. He should be better. It's a continued concern from college. You draft Charbonnet. You have to be concerned, especially with Pete Carroll, who has employed two running backs when healthy, frequently throughout his career. The, the tweet I made out there, I didn't expect it to go so viral. Fonston I said, is there a more dangerous job in America than being a Seahawks running back? Like, it's just because, <laughs> I mean, we were talking Kenny McIntosh and then he gets hurt. Um, but if everybody's healthy, I just don't know if I see Ken Walker getting more than 55 percent of the workload. Again, I go back to the Packers. I think he'll be the lead, but he's in the AJ Dillon role as the lead. Where Charbonnet's in the Aaron Jones as the backup role. But that's still a significant enough split that there's no way I'm touching inside the top twenty. And I know Funston's on this because I think Funston was even lower than me initially when we talked about this a few weeks ago.
3: Uh, just I, he dropped he dropped a ton in uh, uh, the recent athletic mock draft we did one Q. Is that what you're looking at? Yeah, that's what I was looking at. He almost made it to the seventh round. So like people wow. are,
2: people Ooh. are off on he's him good. right
3: now. Yeah, I mean, and I and I don't. You know, you make all the, the right points. I mean, he's an exciting talent, but yeah, I mean, there is, there is like you mentioned, the short yardage, you know, getting something out of nothing stuff that he has a problem with. But I just, yeah, I think all those running backs, if they are healthy, are going to work in there and um, limit his upside. So, yeah, I agree. He started out like RB 14 or 15. I and mean,
1: he's He's falling yeah. down into the 20s now. Refallen. Uh, Let's go over to wide receivers. Sleepers. Your solid sleeper, solid snake, and then your deeper sleeper at (laughs) wide receiver for you, Jake.
2: Yeah. So my solid sleeper is actually, if you go check out my six bold predictions, I have a bold prediction of how Jahan Dawson can be a top 10 wide receiver this year. It goes back to stuff we talked about with Sam Howell, and people hold on to their seats because even in the article I said, I am not calling him this player. But if you look at Roethlisberger's style and Howell's style and how you take that next step and who's the most valuable, Antonio Brown was the most valuable option with Ben Roethlisberger and helped him have those terrific seasons. That is a similar style player to Jahan Dotson, who's drawn comparisons to his teammate, Terry McLaurin, but others like Tyler Lockett and stuff like that. Like you would put that kind of value. He could be easily the number one for this team and overtake Terry McLaurin, who's peaked at wide receiver. I think it's 17, despite having all the volume to himself. Jahan Dotson immediately started making an impact as the third, pushed to number two on this team, was number one, despite not being a top two wide receiver for most of the year, was number one in end zone targets and touchdowns, with Terry McLaurin vastly behind him, even in that part-time role. Like Dotson's his guy. Now, I'm I'm making an assumption that Howell sees him as such, but all the reports have been, they've already off to a great connection, and I think Dotson's got ceiling potential here. Uh, If he's even, what I say in the article, if he's even 70%, Antonio Brown's peak season that puts him in the wide receiver eight. Now, again, I'm not saying, but yeah, that just kind of puts it into perspective. Deeper is I would love I, I hate to see this as we're doing this podcast today. Justin Ross got hurt again. Uh, don't know how severe it is, but we've been playing this game of like who steps up for the Chiefs because we know it's not Marquez Valdez Scantling. He's the other one. He's the two. They want somebody to step up. Skymore got all the hype last year as the rookie, and I think the post-hype sleeper is perfect because he fits the Juju Smith-Schuster role, which is kind of how this offense has evolved to instead of just throwing it to Tyreek Hill 20 yards, 15 yards, 25 yards, you kind of get that guy who gets open a little bit more, let Kelsey do, and then send somebody like Marcos Valdez to Scantling in deeper routes. So I think Sky Moore is the perfect fit to step in as a one and two uh, where people have been looking at Tony and Richie James and all the, rest. I think Sky Moore is the option here. I think Sky Moore should actually be in the conversation with some of the wide receiver threes and fours.
1: And I love this because I play in this deep 16 team IDP keeper league and I have both, <laughs> uh, dots. Uh, you, only, you can only keep like five offensive players uh, or you can go six offense or six defense, but it's 10 total keepers. And I have both Dotson and Sky Moore going in, uh, for the uh, for the year this year and with two kind of other midi wide receivers. So that's my upside play. So I'm very much about this. Brandon, your sleepers, your solid sleeper and your deeper sleeper.
3: Yeah, let's go. Elijah Moore for my sleeper. He's going just outside the top 40 right now. I think he has wide receiver. I think he has solid wide receiver three upside. It's weird how the Jets, you know, who I think it was the 34th pick overall a couple of years ago. They used on him. He was he's a Helium Hall of Famer that that original summer like no one could say a bad thing about <laughs> I him. I like that. This yeah. a new and,
2: article, helium hall, helium hall of Famer. Helium Hall of Famer.
3: But do you remember that his rookie year all summer long people were just raving about him. And then, you know, we got to account for the Jets awful quarterback situation, but his rookie season he finished it strong. Um had you know, I think he had five touchdowns in his final five games. Had some nice yardage games in there. And then last year, or last year, we had the Zach Wilson experience completely, and it was, it was horrible. And Elijah Moore started complaining, and it was like they just decided to punt him. You know, it was like they got rid of him for nothing. And it's like, guys, this guy's a serious talent. Got a seriously talented quarterback with him now. Can opposite Amari, Amari Cooper. They got a good running game. It just all, I think, works out very well for him to reset his value and, and to get back into, you know, get back into the fantasy picture. So uh, I think he's – he's yeah.
2: Those week one of the preseason, the fact that he was only running in the slot with the eleven set, were you?
3: I, are are we not supposed to just like?
2: No, we that's just what, just ask,
1: everything I'm, in the I'm preseason. I'm you up for the question. I'm asking you the question. No, I'm not.
3: I'm not going to you know take any credence in that whatsoever. I, I'm not worried about it. So um, I I will say that I I mean I. I'm fine with him in the slot. Like if that's where he wants to, start. and it's probably where he's going to spend a lot of his time with Amari Cooper and Donovan people's Jones there. You can have people's Jones on the outside. I'm like oh, Elijah Mark can excel in the slot. So I'm not worried about that whatsoever. So anyways, that's what's your thoughts on that. Mine.
2: Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm just a little concerned if it means snaps, like if they don't run a lot of three wide, if they're kind of middle of the pack and it just keeps them limited to like 40 snaps a game is versus 55, 60. That's why I bring it up. I'm going to watch again. I agree with you. I've referenced this on another podcast. Nicole's son was on the phone and she was like, what do you think of the preseason so far? I was like, it doesn't matter. But, yeah. like, for all intents and purposes, there is. And, like, it was tongue-in-cheek, but it does matter if you're running with the starters and not with the starters. Now it matters. Like, we say running with the ones means nothing up until now because you're trying to be evaluated. But now, in preseason games, who's playing with the starters? Who's playing only when the second team unit comes in? Who's not even playing at all and getting the week off? It's often telling. So I want to see the second Browns game because I'm with you. That's why I asked. I'm with you. I like Elijah Moore. I like him a lot. I actually pushed him down just a spit because I'm worried if they only play him in three wide... It's just a snap count factor for him.
3: Sure. Yeah. And yeah, I think the first game, uh, the second game is a little bit more interesting because I think what was it, the Eagles that ran Kenneth Gainwell as their starter and, and Penny was playing. Yeah. And it's like, well, we just, we're giving Gainwell this game. We're giving Penny the next game. It's like sometimes coaches just do that. So um, yeah, I, but the second game feels like it's more of like we might see a little bit more of the, of the actual, what they teams might want to do. So right. uh, we'll see. John Mechie is my deep sleeper. Obviously, Alabama was going to probably be a first-round pick, had the ACL injury, fell to the second round, then had leukemia, um, missed his entire... So he's basically a rookie this year, but he's on a team in Houston that has no established number one. I mean, he could legitimately end up being the number one targeted wide receiver in that offense. I mean, some people like Nico Collins, but I tend to think of Nico Collins being around a couple years and not really, really splashing. I'm ready to go with the guy that you know, is getting his first opportunity while Nico Collins has already had a couple opportunities. And I know it's been a, it's been a bad environment. Still not going to be a great environment, but um, I just feel like a rookie quarterback, a guy who's basically all-intensive rookie, they might have a chemistry there. But Metchie himself said he feels better than he did, you know, at any time before, you know, Alabama. I mean, since Alabama days. So, like, he says he's ready to go. Uh, I'm going to buy into it because the opportunity there is big. Well, clearly, Nico uh, Collins and Rondell
2: Moore have been around for 15 years, but it's only been three each.
1: Yeah. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Brandon clearly didn't want, uh, didn't, uh, hasn't been on Twitter, because if you're on Twitter, you would have been told that Tank Dell is now the number one after (laughs) slicing (laughs) 13 playing wide receiver. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you, you didn't know. Uh, they, they already told us, Brandon, the tank Dell is the number one after uh one game in the first Did game. Did you know there's season. never
2: been a wide receiver with his height or weight that's even had a thousand yards? I don't even know if it's eight hundred yards. I, I gotta go back to the I pro didn't know football that. reference, but yeah. That's fun.
3: Uh let's Who's, go the Who let's, is the Houston I'm already drawing a blank. It's already he's already coming on. He was Robert the guy from S, No, he was the slot receiver for Houston from SMU who had like
1: <laughs> Kiki QT. KQT, KQT was the where best. He got like two Tuesday good days. games. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it was Whatever happened to Will Fuller? He never came back. <laughs> We're still waiting for Will Fuller to show back up. He's, still, this he's is still always the best, This is the best game, by the way. What happened to? All right, uh, let's get wide receiver bust. Jake, who's who's busting out in a bad way? Oh,
2: Debo Samuel. Sorry, but just mm. because where he's going, he's still being drafted as almost top fifteen. It's like fifteen yeah. to sixteen. I don't dislike Debo Samuel. But I just I did Chris Harris's podcast this morning. We're talking about ADPs, and this is the one I brought up. This is one of the first ones I brought up. I get it. But the two years ago, Debo Samuel doesn't exist anymore unless Christian McCaffrey gets hurt. Unless, you know, something happens. I I don't even think it necessarily happens with Brock Purdy unless they go to Sam Darnold. And I definitely don't think it happens with Trey Lance. The Trey Lance thing is baffling as a complete aside. We should do an entire show on why that pick doesn't make sense if you weren't going to change your offensive style, Kyle Shanahan. But anyway, point being, uh. You looked at uh, granted, small sample size. Brock Purdy five games though. Brandon Ayuk and George Killer were one and two. Debo Samuel is still involved, just you made the joke early in the show, Chris. Three yards. Five yep.
1: yards, they were using him like as a hybrid running back because he was actually running around. So he just wasn't going very far. I think with that, okay, I liked, had the lowest a dot in the league of any wide receiver. It was ridiculous. Or or least least I think sometimes it was like negative. <laughs> but yeah, he loves some George
2: Kittle, especially in the red zone. George Kittle obviously isn't going to score a touchdown every single week, but he loves some George Kittle. If you told me wide receiver, not all inclusive ability wise, but just purely as a wide receiver, I would take Brandon Ayuk over Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel's overall talent is better because of what he can do with the ball in his hands. But I go Ayuk and Kittle as the one and two, which makes Debo the three, which is fine. He can still be wide receiver 30, but wide receiver 15 is just bonkers to me.
1: Yeah, and sometimes in big, powerful offenses, the uh, cheapest option can sometimes be the best returned value. Brandon Ayuk. Like Brandon Ayuk, that's exactly <laughs> the point here. Uh, Brandon, who are you busting on uh, wide receivers?
3: Yeah, I'm just <laughs> phrasing... <laughs>
1: <laughs> are we not doing phrasing anymore uh, all right uh, who's the bus but I'll, I'll
3: throw out christian watson i just won't have him on my my teams because i mean jake has is described why the upside is like top 15 but there's also mm-hmm. the downside of outside the top 30 um and it's the guy that averaged less than three catches per game That had a ton of value uh in the nine touchdowns that he scored he did it in a very short window of time romeo like this could be where the cheaper option in Romeo Dobbs is 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 the better value here, just like the i u and Samuel situation. But it's just the very obvious change at quarterback from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love. It's it's a big unknown. We sort of like Jordan Love. We think that maybe he can be okay. But like, like are are we are we are we? Are we should we be worried at all about using a, a solid wide receiver two pick on Christian Watson with that unknown? Um so like I'm just it's the cost is too much. I think there's too much expectant pricing in Christian Watson without weighing in the potential downsides. For me, I'm gonna back off. I could see him being a bust very easily, and for that reason, I'm just gonna throw him out there.
1: Gentlemen, let's do lightning round for tight end. Kind of how we we're approaching tight end. You either take the top guys or you just sit in the uh in the kitty pool at the very end, just grabbing whatever guy is there. Beep boop beep. Uh quick. How was that? But beep <laughs> boop beep. That's how we do it. Sleepers and, and do the bus since we're doing lightning round. This is your tight end manifesto here, Seely.
2: Uh yeah. Uh sleeper a little cooled off on it just because we're getting continued reports that a conku is a terrible run blocker and they might not see the field and it'll be a split with the other options. So I do love Okonkwo for his upside. If he can get out there more, he's done so much on little. Uh, Irv Smith just has to stay healthy. One of these times, right? This is the year, fourth year in a row. Let's go Irv Smith on a great offense. Uh, The bust side of things. So uh, there's two, actually, I, I forgot to throw one in here. I am concerned about David Njoku being a top 10 tight end and being taken as a top 10 tight end with Deshaun Watson. A little bit different style than Jacoby Brissett, who loves his tight ends. And then potentially the third or fourth option with if Elijah Moore ends up being a breakout. Nick Ninjoku could just fall off. And then the other one, I want to see the second game. He's not 100% a bust yet, but Sean Payton came in and said, Greg Dulcic. Nope. I'm putting in my boy, Adam Trotman, who I brought with me from New Orleans and was playing as the first team tight end. So again, I'm going to watch game two. Maybe it's like Fonston said with Gainwell, just kind of see him out there. And next week it's Dulcic and we can switch it back and just pull him off this. But
3: as of right now, he's a, he's a tentative bust
1: sleeper bust tight end for you. Brennan
3: uh Juwan Johnson, hybrid you know wide receiver tight end type, who was a top ten tight end last year and is going nineteen at tight end in nFC August drafts, which is crazy. Jimmy Graham, qu- man yeah, <laughs> better quarterback situation. I think he I, I would take him as a as a back end tight end one right now, and you can easily, based upon the pricing and drafts uh do that, so I think he's a he's a great value. I'd say Kate Otten as a deep sleeper. I mean Tampa is going to be terrible, they're going to be throwing. They got, you know, the safety valve tight end for quarterbacks like potentially Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. Um, it's going to be ugly, but sometimes in an ugly situation, we're going after the Dalton Schultzes or the Tyler Higbees or the Kate Ottens, who is a clear guy now at tight end, which is tight end has been a thing in Tampa for a while now. And Kate Otten is well positioned for decent volume there. Good surprise as a Top 20 tight end. Um, and then uh, my bust. Dalton Kincaid, like I like the talent, <laughs> but the guy is going 11th right now at tight end. Never caught a pass in the NFL. We know what the difficulty is for tight ends. And oh, by the way, a top 13 tight end last year is still on the roster in Dawson Knox. I know they like Dalton Kincaid and think his ceiling is higher. But is that just? Are they just making that swap right away? No, I think we're going to see a lot of of these guys interchangeable in this offense. I don't think the ceiling's there for Dalton Kincaid to be a top 11 tight end you're well, wrong well, because
2: up. that's Dalton Kincaid wide receiver you're talking about Funston. Come on,
1: yeah. And the only <laughs> argument I, I would throw to that though is you can treat it similar to Anthony Richardson. though, is where you can take Kincaid at the back end, and if he doesn't work out, you can go pick up Tyler Higby or Jawan Johnson. You can pick up yeah. these guys really easily in your league. Yeah, Boston but if I said game, Anthony Richardson is my going.
3: bust, you would understand why. Because I would yeah say, yeah no,
1: I totally understand it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. I'm just saying like that that that's. It makes a lot of sense. Tight end is tougher to pull out of this as well. He makes a lot of sense. Like Kincaid
2: could have a good
1: season tight end
2: wise and still fall short of tight end 11.
1: Yeah. Well, I also think that comes from like a, a guy that could have like five amazing weeks that's like tight end five and then he could have, you know, 10 that are outside of tight end. 15. I wasn't
2: kidding. I'm legitimately concerned. Jimmy Graham snipes like six touchdowns from Jawan Johnson. This what a year.
1: throwback. Baker Mayfield's throwing <laughs> touchdowns. Jimmy Graham is getting those. What world do we live in anymore? Uh, hopefully you guys are hanging out with us all draft season long and into the season. Make sure you guys are subscribed to this podcast. Jake, you mentioned some articles that are up. What is coming up over on The Athletic for you? Uh, well, not just me, but
2: Fonston's roundtable of quarterbacks is coming out. I have a second round of sleepers from the staff that's coming out. And uh, yeah, I just dropped my six bold predictions. But, but why and how it can happen? Not just like,
1: here are six ridiculous things. I just hope I get one of them right. It'll just be fun. That's the best. So you just get like two and you're just like, I win. It's like baseball. I'm hitting 30. Told you. It's <laughs> all that matters. It's all that counts. Well, I've got the Flex League coming up. Uh, as you guys are listening to this yes, podcast. Do. So maybe we can, uh, I'll be, uh, follow me on Twitter, is it The Welsh? I'll be tweeting out about some of that. You guys can check all of those things out. Follow them on Twitter, at all in kid at Brandon Funston. And make sure you go to The Athletic and sign up today. A couple bucks a month, you can get all of this incredible draft prep content and in-season, you're completely hooked up. You're going to want Jake's ranks, so go and sign up today. That's going to do it. For this episode, we'll be back next week. For Jake and Brandon, I'm Welsh, and we'll talk to you next time right here on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Bye, friends.